This evening reading taken from Ruth chapter 2 from 1 to 23. Uh, Bible page 267, 267 and 268. Ruth meets Boaz in Confield. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I found favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvester. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the officer, of his harvester. Who does this young woman belong to? The officer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me clean and gather among the sheep behind the harvester. She came into the field and remained there from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and clean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jar the man had filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about you, have done for your mother-in-law, seen the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May be richly rewarded by the Lord of God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to refuge. May I continue to find a favor in your eyes, my lord, she said. You have put the ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvester, he offered her some roasted grain 
She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to the clean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheep and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stick to her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth cleaned in the field until the evening. Then she trashed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about a ephithal. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law and how much she had gathered. Ruth also bought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where do you clean today? Where do you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she has been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. The man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to clean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Topo. Great socks, by the way, Topo. I should get some spotty socks. Good evening, everybody. Great to be with you. Great to be back with you. If I haven't had a chance to say hello to you, hello. Um, thank you also for those who've um, been looking after the services, particularly in the evening. Jamie, thank you uh, very much. Um, for you've been doing great tonight. Thank you, Van. It's uh, great to, to be led in that way um, tonight. Thank you. Um, keep that passage open in front of you. Shall we, shall we pray and I'll stop wittering? <laughs> Father God, thank you so much um, for this church. Thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us. Please speak to us, we pray, through your word tonight. Lead us by your spirit but we may hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've clearly had far too much time on my hands. I've been working out what my top uh, ten favourite songs of all time have, have been. That's what sabbaticals do to you. You have far too much time on your hands. And, uh, and one of the songs that um, I came up with, um, I'm going to, I'll, I'll read you a verse, I won't sing it. And, and uh, if you're of a certain age, you may, can tell me whether you know who the artist is. It's a game, okay? It's okay. You got, so, um, 
Many years have passed since those summer days among the fields of barley. See the children run as the sun goes down among the fields of gold. The young, young people will be like, what? That's, uh, I don't know, no idea. You have to be kind of 40. Sting, who said that? It's, it's a fellow, it's, it's, yes, it was Sting. Uh, Fields of Gold. I love that song. Um, I love that song because it reminds me of a time when I was young and I used to walk through fields of gold. And I'm going to be all romantic tonight. It's a romantic passage. I'm going to be, it's going to get, get all romantic. Um, it reminds me of very... One of my favourite times as a child was harvest time. You looked out to the window and you just saw fields of gold. And this song, uh, very emotive for me, and, and, and uh, I, I can even sort of smell it now, you know, the smell of it. Um, and if you've ever been out in the fields, if you're farming kind of background, Will will know what it's like. You can smell it in the air, the harvest. And the barley gently sways in the wind, and it's beautiful. Um, I love that time of year, watching the great combine harvesters come and chew up the barley. I'm just, so I can go on about this for all night. And uh, I remember watching them, and they were huge. And, and, but the thing about combine harvesters, you can't get into the corners of the field very easily. And guess what? They leave a little bit of the, the corn in the corners. Um, and because I, I was a, a kid and I didn't have any, anything else to do, because we didn't have TikTok, somebody mentioned TikTok, uh, I used to go and glean the, the barley out of the wheat. I, I didn't have a lot to do, okay, I was on a farm, okay, and that's what I did. Um, and so gleaning, uh, all that to really say, is what we've got here uh, in this passage in Ruth. Uh, but it was more than just what I was doing as a kid growing up on the farm, just a bit of gleaning and mucking about in the fields. Um, it really was very important for the people in that time. It was actually a command um, by God. Um, God had commanded um, the, the farmers not to be too efficient of clearing fields um, because of orphans and foreigners and uh, the fatherless, the widow, the poor, uh, were to have an opportunity to pick up what was left, to go into those corners and those bits, and to pick up what was left um, so that they could feed themselves. And you can read all about it in Leviticus 19 and go home and look at it in Deuteronomy 24. You see, the law, God had made provision for the most vulnerable in society, and that's what's happening in Ruth too. We are in these fields of gold, to put it as Sting would say. And chapter one was very much about uh, Ruth and Naomi coming back uh, from Moab. And um, chapter two is more, there's more dialogue, there's more interaction. And we discover here a lot about God and what God is like. And it should excite us. I hope you get excited by it tonight because there's a lot to excite us here about the character of God. So you can imagine if you're walking in these fields of gold tonight, think about what God is like, because he's great. The first thing is 
he shows subtle providence. Now, I couldn't think of a better word than providence. <laughs> well, I don't know where Jamie's gone. He's sneaked out the back. We had a bit of a to and fro to Jamie. So, can you think of a better word than providence? It's such a diff- It's kind of a jargon word, isn't it? But I've stuck with it, so you're stuck with it. But I'll explain what it's all about. Subtle providence, verses 1 to 3. The writer um, gives us the heads up about Boaz, this man. Uh, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing, whose name was Boaz. And that's it, it just leaves it, parks it for the minute, but wants you to note it. And so we move to Ruth, who says, uh, who says she's going to glean in the fields, and Naomi approves. Verse 3. So she went, look at verse 3, this is really important, to understand God's subtle providence. So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, right, note that, as it turned out, or as as it just happened, uh, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. As it turned out, now there's there's a loaded statement. We're not um, to read this as a kind of sort of a happening by chance. The writer here wants us to know um, that there's this fella, keep an eye on this fella called Boaz, uh, and don't be naive about what Naomi is up to, um, and recognize the subtle hand of God here. As it turned out, it's not a chance thing, okay? It's something God is working out here. And, and this is where we call, this is God's providence. It's not some sort of fatalism. God is moving the pawns around on a big giant um, uh, chessboard. But the word is describing God's working through circumstances. As it turned out. And I don't know, you, you will be able to think of stories about how it's worked for you. How God has, if you've been a Christian a while. I know it's been... In my own life, there's been times where, as it's worked out, how I came to be at St. John's for me and Hannah was very much as it turned out. Because um, some of you will remember, back eight years ago, the church advertised for the post. I saw it. Uh, Hannah didn't want to apply. I did. And in the end, we didn't apply. But we said, oh, you know, uh, if... If God wants us to go there, then nobody will get the job. As it turned out. (laughs) And I'm sure you've got examples of those sort of things in your life. As it turned out, no, well, people did apply, but nobody got the job. And the rest is history. God's subtle providence. Now, you may say I don't have much of that in my life. I don't see it in my life. I've not necessarily experienced that. But he does want you to look and think. And it's well worth doing that, spending time looking back, thinking, searching, pondering, to look around. What is God putting around me? What are the circumstances? Who are the people? What is going on? And, and ask God to show you his subtle hand at work. To ask what... I wonder what that might mean. Um, it might just mean that, you know, you had a curry last night and it's <laughs> your upset stomach. Uh, you might get a feeling, and it's not about God, but ask him, because it might be. As it turned out, subtle providence, in the fields of gold, we're wandering around, and that's the that's first thing you see. The second thing we see is surprising kindness. 
the surprising kindness at work. Notice the amazing relationship Boaz has with his harvesters, though, first. This is a bit of an aside, but if you notice how Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted his harvesters, the Lord be with you and the Lord bless you, they answered. Just, that's the first thing they said to each other. And, I, and you know, I, I very much experienced this when I was in Tanzania, as you know, uh, a part of my sabbatical. Wherever I went, um, people would walk into a room and the first person at the front would always go, Buana Fasiwe. Anyone know Swahili? Kamaru, what would you say? You'd say, Amen, wouldn't you? If the Lord's name be praised, Amen. That's the first thing people would say to you. Or they would say, um, God, God is good. And the, and the answer would come back all the time. And that's just the way they were about talking uh, whenever they were with other Christians. And that's what you get here with, with Boaz, isn't it? Boaz doing that. It's wonderful. Boaz asked the harvesters overseer, who's this woman in verse 5? Uh, who's this woman, Ruth? And then he addresses Ruth with such kindness. Oh, in so many levels, it's so kind. He gives her permission, permission first of all, to, to glean. The overseer had probably done that already, but he confirms it. Secondly, he gives protection. Do you see that in verse 9? I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. You've got to remember, this is the time of the judges. What was it like during the time of the judges? Everyone did as they saw fit. You know, it was the lawless kind of time. So Boaz gives protection. He gives permission. He gives protection. And then finally, he gives provision in verse 9. Go and get a drink from the water jars. You know, he's offering provision, water. That wouldn't have been a given for somebody in her position. And what's her reaction to all that kind of su- surprising kindness? I think she's quite overwhelmed, don't you think? That? She's quite overwhelmed by it. At this, she bowed down, it says, with a face to the ground. Why have I found such favour? Literally, kind of the word for grace here. Um, in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner. And so he reveals in verse 11 to 12 what he's heard, what he knows <clears throat> about her and her mother-in-law. Mother in law. He says, I've been told all about you, uh, what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. And Boaz is, is un, in that statement, I think he's really unpacking that sense of kindness to her. You know, in a sense, referring to her sorrow. She's still grieving, isn't she? She's still bereaved, and there's such kindness in that. She's been through a lot. She's left her homeland. It speaks of sacrifice, and he's recognising that. Boaz knows she's probably apprehensive. She's in Israel. She's in a foreign land with a, with a foreign people. It's all a bit strange. Boaz recognises that all here, and he just comes and speaks words of comfort and kindness. And don't we need that all the time? Words of comfort and kindness. Kindness, I think, is such an underrated uh, fruit of the Spirit. Um, it has that ability, sometimes kindness, when you experience it, of overwhelming you because it's so unexpected and we just don't expect it. Sometimes, incidentally, small acts of kindness can have such a big impact on each other. Um, 
Notice the impact on Ruth, verse 13. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, you've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. She's put at ease. There's a calmness to her. And this, what we see in Boaz's character is, 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 in, a, is in a sense, it points us to God's character, doesn't it? What God is like. And it reminds me of the character of God of, of how he wants to show that kind of surprising kindness to us and comfort us. Um, it reminded me of Isaiah 40. You know how that begins when they come back from exile. He says, comfort, comfort my people. Say, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sins have been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort. Speak kindly. And so our witness to others should be like this. In our preaching, in our life together, in our fellowship, it should be uh, imitating this. We meet in fields of gold, surprising kindness. And that should flow out from God's people. You know, yes, I've been reflecting on, yes, our preaching and our, our speaking does need to be searching, it does need to reveal, it does need to expose where there is sin and failure. But as we do that, must it must show comfort and kindness of God because he's such a kind and comforting God. You know, in a, in a group of any size, a group like tonight, there will be people who are in that Ruth place right now, feeling a bit vulnerable, feeling overwhelmed, feeling pe- pe- that they're in a foreign land, perhaps that they are, or you are, bereaved, apprehensive and need of comfort and kindness. We'll know that God is a God of comfort and kindness. It's not that God kind of mollycoddles you, but there's a sense of a far, that it, well, it's kind of just that sense that God is far kinder than sometimes we really realise. He's really kind. He wants to comfort us and speak words of comfort as Boaz does here. So um, thirdly, as we wander through the fields of gold, um, what we discover is tangible security. Tangible security. Verse 12, Boaz says, May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you richly reward by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It's quite a stunning verse, isn't it, actually? Because it's a concrete statement of reassurance, of security, coming under the wings of God. That's a great image, isn't it? The wings of God, of protection and security. And Boaz, so Boaz seeks to give Ruth a a sample of that in the way that he acts towards Ruth. So that's what God is like, secure wings of security. And Boaz tries to give Ruth a glimpse of that in the here and now, of what that's like. Verse 14, at mealtimes, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it into the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had leftovers. That's the God we worship, a God who wants to bless, who wants us to experience 
what it's like being under his wings. What we need to see was sure Boaz prays for protection over her, but he, he, he makes the prayer in verse 12, but he also wants to show us that he's modelling it, isn't he? He's modelling it, that kind of security to her, and therefore he's reflecting God's character. You know, he's sort of saying, if you think I'm generous, God's even more generous. Um, just wait till you see what the Lord is like in this land, in Israel. All that she longed for. So we need to reflect, as God's people, don't we, God's character accurately. Uh, as he shows us this unbelievable, tangible security, we reflect that to those around us. Because... Um, God is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. That's what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to model that, that tangible security to those around us because that's what God is like. So uh, in the fields of gold, let us uh, show the tangible security of the Lord and finally we meet fresh hope. That's the final thing. Fresh hope. Verses 19 to 23. I'm not going to say anything about the guardian redeemer this week because Isaac, uh, who's preaching next week, is going to pick that up um, in, more, in more detail in chapter 4. It's only mentioned in passing here. We'll find out more about that next week. But as we close, let's notice Ruth coming home. And what does she come home with in verse 17? Let's have a look. It's an ephah of barley. What is it, Ifa? I I don't really know. Um, I don't. It, there's some. Sorry. You know what people don't really know, um, please. <laughs> That's what it says. It's a lot. It's an Ifa, okay? Whatever that really is, we don't know. And and that gives Ruth and Naomi new hope. Okay. Ruth tells her uh, all that's happened. And she responds in verse 20, The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. Now, if you were here two weeks ago in chapter 1, you'll remember and contrast what Naomi said at the end of chapter 1. She said in verse 20, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. And now she's talking about the Lord and how she's blessed. What a change. What gave her new hope? What changed things around? An ephah of barley. Now, it might not mean much to you, but it meant everything to Naomi and to Ruth, this ephah of barley. You know, sometimes it doesn't take a lot to restore hope, to give new hope just to have that kind of glimmer of, of kindness and, and security. Um, it could be small, it could be big. And sometimes we experience that. I, 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 you will have examples of this in your own life. Um, Hannah and I had one of these uh, while we were on sabbatical. Just something happened, we were on holiday, and the, the, as we were coming out of North Wales, the the car started to make a horrendous noise. You know, you get that feeling, you're like, oh no, it's going to be terrible. 
Anyway, we got to Sheffield, took the car to the garage, and they said, oh, it's, it's, it needs fixing immediately, and it's going to cost this four-figure sum of money. And then we were like, oh, no, you know. So we had, had all these plans. We're going to do this and that with the kids. We were going to go to Pleasurewood Hills. We were going to eat out a bit more. We were going to go do all those kind of things. And um, anyway, it had to be done. And we put it into... We told a few people about this fact. Didn't tell many people. Um, we put it into the garage. We went off to the garage. I went off to the garage uh, to pick up uh, the car and to pay for the bill, to discover that somebody had phoned the garage and paid for it outright for the, the fixing. Well, I was just... I, I got in the car afterwards, and I just sat there for, I don't know, it was about 10, 15, it could be half an hour. I didn't know whether to cry or to laugh or to weep. But the thing about it was is that I was quite down about that fact that it, it was broken, it was going to cost a lot of money, and I didn't really have that, and it was going to mean we weren't going to do the exciting things that we had planned. And God just gave us an ether of barley. <laughs> isn't that amazing? It's good, isn't it? I'm not saying he does that all the time. <laughs> you know, it'd be nice if we got that money all the time, but he doesn't do it all the time. But just sometimes when you get to that point when life perhaps is... An act of kindness, an ether of barley is all it takes. It didn't really matter how much it was. It was just the fact it was, it was done and God was kind. I have no idea who did it. But I'm just very thankful to God for it. Hope, you see, can have that kind of effect. Uh, it can change you very quickly from chapter 1 to chapter 2. It was an ether of barley signalled new hope. Look, we've come to the end of our time. One of the things that I've been reflecting on um, over these last few months is the way in which um, places are very important um, and uh, reflecting on the way that that is for us. Um, and I'm sure you've got places that you grew up with, places that you go to, to remind you of experiences and things that have happened in the past. Uh, and maybe I'm just getting older and more sentimental, but place seems to be really important um, to me. Um, like those fields of barley, you know? They're really important to me. I can visualise it, I can smell it. Um, here is a thought I leave you with as we close. Um, do you suppose that maybe... And this is a maybe. You're going to use your imagination, Ryan. Maybe Ruth and Boaz, years after this incident, went for a walk and stood... Because we know they get together, right? I've just spoiled next week for you. (laughs) Years later, maybe they went for a walk and stood by the barley fields. Yeah? And maybe Boaz says to Ruth, do you remember how it started? And Ruth looks up and says, yes, this is where I felt new hope. 
and the warmth of the Lord's wings, the security that he gives, started with an ephah of barley. There's a song by uh, Regina Spector. Again, uh, it's not in my top ten. <laughs> but it's called, I think it's called The Call. And it's got these words. It started out as a feeling, which then grew into a hope, which turned into a quiet thought, which turns into a quiet word. And then the word grew louder and louder and louder. And it's going to get louder and louder as we go to chapter 3 and to chapter 4, as we see God at work. Father God, we just want to come before you and thank you so much for your powerful word to us, your providence, how you work circumstances to your plans and purposes, often hidden, but yet you give us subtle reminders of it. Thank you for your surprising kindness um, here that we read of, which we don't deserve your kindness, and yet you give it to us, and we praise you for it. We thank you for the unbelievable security that we have being under your wings, under your shelter. Thank you for Boaz modelling that, your character. And thank you, Father, for the new hope that you give us. You, you, at times, just give us that when we just need it, to know that you are there, you are with us, that you are at work, and that we can trust in you. Please help us to see those ephahs of barley, that we may look up and know that you are our God and that we can trust you in all things. We can trust your provision, your love and your security found in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.